Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. Let the financial fun begin. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with Kelly McLean, the president and founder of Kelly McLean Achievement Center. Her background as a college admission representative and high school varsity coach provided the basis for her company. And she got frustrated because her experience working with students, she figured out that they were missing scholarship opportunities. They were not getting accepted into the schools that they wanted. And ultimately, they ended up switching majors because they took the wrong path. We have a great discussion about helping high school students and college students set themselves up for success when it comes to planning for their future, not only in paying for college, but also in college selection, course selection where they're still in high school. And what about when somebody already gets started and they want to make a course correction? We talk about all these things and very, very relevant today, especially as we're talking about these trillions of dollars of student loan debt out there. There's so many opportunities to get college paid for or get college at a reduced expense. Certainly planning ahead, that's what we do as financial planners. Well, we talk today about the planning process with regard to getting ready for college, getting accepted, and being successful once they're in college. I hope you're going to enjoy the conversation. Have a great week and God bless. Kelly McLean, welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor. How are you doing today? I'm well, and thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is the time of year, right? That uh, I think the topic's very relevant to what people are going through. We've got lots of people going to graduation ceremonies and receptions and things, or maybe even kids that are going into their senior year thinking about stuff. So uh, it's a great topic for us to be visiting about today. Uh, So you've got an interesting background as far as how you came to start your company. So uh, tell us about that and kind of your journey up until now. So I worked in college admissions for nine years. Eight of those nine years, I was also coaching girls varsity high school soccer. So between high school kids coming into the college when I was there or me going into their high schools and then me working with my high school players, I I was surrounded by high school kids 24 seven it felt. And I just saw them making mistakes, not big get in trouble mistakes, little tiny mistakes that cost them opportunities, opportunities to get accepted to their dream school, to afford their dream school, to even make a good decision about what would be their dream school. So I thought, gosh, there's got to be a better way than sticking three or 400 kids in an auditorium and they're all getting the same conversation from their guidance office. So I started helping my players. Their families started referring me to other families. A year later, I quit my college admission job. And for the last almost 11 years now, all I've been doing is helping high school students and their families. And we have a whole team that assist in that process. Yeah, that's fantastic. And certainly this is one of those topics that everybody knows it's important, but there's just so much information out there. I feel like people are just drowning in information and aren't sure what to do with it all. How do you suggest people start? I like to use analogies. So the analogy I use for this whole thing is if you were planning vacation, typically the first thing you pick is where to go. Is it the beach vacation? Are we skiing? What are we doing? And then from there you determine, oh, should we fly? Should we drive? What's the best method to get there? And college is handled completely in reverse. 
everybody talks about what college, what college, what college. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of emphasis on what are you going to do? And really, college is nothing more than a vehicle to get you to a career destination. And I think the career should be more of the focus. And unfortunately, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, schools have gotten rid of a lot of the additional courses that could have shed light on someone's interest. And instead, it's all the focus on math, English, science, and history. Well, four years of that, what does that tell you you want to do? Not much. If you're good in math, people have told you be an engineer. Well, Okay, first of all, it's a huge broad field. Kids don't even know what it encompasses to start making that decision, nor do they know what those people really do during the day. And there are a lot of other fields. Obviously, you're in one of them. If you're good in math, you know, there's so many things you can do with it, but students aren't hearing that message. So I think the first place to start is helping your child figure out what actually interests them. You can be good at something and have zero desire to do it. I had an Irish Catholic grandmother. I can clean like nobody's business. <laughs> I have no desire to be on my hands and knees scrubbing floors. So, you know, I had to find something that was more interesting to me. And so interest inventories, surveys, things like that are a great jumping off point. But I really think at this point in time, when careers are changing exponentially, I mean, with technology, there's new careers born you know, all the time. Kids need to have opportunities to shadow, to see, to talk to professionals, to really understand. And then from there, what colleges can get you there is a better method just like vacationing, you know, figuring yep. out how after, you know, where. Right, right. Yeah. And, and these days, uh, of course, there's so many choices out there. And sometimes people might get to this point, really, I was one of those kids, right, that I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was kind of thinking business, uh, kind of thinking finance, but really didn't know at that point. So I just kind of got started and taking gen ed courses and so forth. Um, so what would you say to students that have already kind of started that they're trying to find their way? Well, I, I think it's never too late to kind of take a more specialized approach. So a couple of things that I think are really interesting statistics most people aren't aware of. Um, colleges are required to report their graduation rate based on six years. Most parents send their kids off to college, assuming that's four years, <laughs> a four-year degree. And it's not. It's, it's um, detailed in six years. The majority of students aren't graduating in four years. So that's a challenge. And the number one reason is changing majors. Mm, yeah. And it's because they didn't even know those majors existed. There are some schools that have as many as 600 different majors. Wow. Most high school students can't name 12. Right. And one of the other statistics is that 62% of college kids report depression in college. Well, the last place you want your kid to be depressed is when they're hours away from you, right. where you can't sit down and talk with them. And the number one reason is because they feel the clock is ticking. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I wanna do. I'm supposed to graduate in three years. I'm supposed to graduate in two years. Like everybody else knows what they wanna do. Not true, but that's right. how they feel. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so they're, they feel overwhelmed. And you know, typically the academic advisors in college are assigned based on your selected major. Well, if you want to change majors, your academic advisor may not know anything about that other major or be able to really discuss it with you. So helping your child during the summer over, you know, the spring break, Christmas break, 
I worked with four or five different college students over spring break who are now in their second semester saying, I don't want to do this and I don't know what to do. And so they came in so that we could do some career advising and help them try to figure that out. Um, how often do you think in today's world that it matters as far as what major you were in college versus figuring it out later? In other words, how many employers really pay attention to where you went or what your degree was in? I don't disagree with that at all, that mm -hmm. ultimately you can make something out of not having that specific piece of paper. You have the diploma. Does it really have to be in that field? A lot of times it doesn't. The unfortunate thing is, so it may take you longer to get into a field that you discover later because you don't have the network that you went to school with for that major. You aren't as familiar. There's skills that you still may need to learn. So it might take a little bit longer, but ultimately, yeah, there's a lot of job changing, you know, nobody sticks with their career now for 40 years, it seems. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true. Uh, people uh, shift careers. We have one uh, person that we had worked with before that he was an engineer and gone to school for engineering and figured it out once he got into that career field, this isn't for me. And mm -hmm. he actually, it was, uh, it took a lot of courage, really. I'm proud of him that he did this, but he uh, said, I want to be a surgeon. And he went back and went to medical school and and I got all the way through it and then had the rest of his career as a surgeon recently retired. But uh, a great example, though, of people not getting stuck, because as financial advisors, we run across that a lot where people are just miserable in their careers. They're miserable with what they're doing and uh, who they're working with. And to me, that just sounds terrible. Right. I mean, I love my job. I love what I do most days. And so uh, that, that sounds really sad you know, for people to get stuck and think that there's no other way. Right. No, I agree with you. And, you know, it's it's so much easier to figure it out before you have all the, you know, attachments, you know, a family to support, children, a house. It, it, the gentleman you just mentioned, you know, it would have been very difficult to leave a decent paying engineering career to go back to school, incur more debt. But if you can figure it out sooner, it just makes your life easier. Because at some point, I feel like a lot of people just kind of resign themselves to, well, this is what I have to do. Sometimes because they feel like they've gone too far, right? That it's too hard to change. So uh, yeah, it's never too late, right? It's never too late to, to make a pivot and do something different. But kind of going into the whole college process, you brought up an interesting point there that it's not just about what you're learning necessarily academically. It's the connections too, right? It's also the people that you're meeting and those relationships that might actually help you in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, establishing that network, knowing upperclassmen who are going to be in the workforce before you graduate so you can reach out for internships, you know, first job opportunities and so forth. And that's another reason, to be honest, that I like setting up students on shadows. You know, we always encourage students to reach back out. Thank you so much for letting me shadow after freshman year of college. You know, oh, I'm so glad I'm on this path. Thanks to that shadow. By the way, do you know anyone who's looking for interns this year? It just is a way to open that door. Then from uh, kind of on the soft side of things, a lot of people's long-term friendships and a lot of times their future spouse, right? They end up meeting during their college years. So it is kind of an important decision, right? As far as figuring out where am I going to go? Right. But like you said, it's never too late. It's great to have some unbiased opinions, um, you know, 
when career counselors like myself or somebody else work with a student, you know, they don't have an emotional investment of, oh my gosh, for years, I thought you'd be a doctor. I really want you to go this route. So they're more apt to listen to what the student's concerns are, what their interests are. I think that's so important. If you're interested in something, I mean, you're going to put your all in it and you're going to become really good at it because it's that important to you. Um, versus just following a path because it was easy in high school. I don't think that always translates really well. So when is the right time to start? And I'll throw this out that I've actually got a a high schooler that's going to do a senior year. So uh, he's kind of going through this whole journey right now or or feels like he's kind of going into a lot of these decision points. So when is the right time to start? And really, where is the starting point? What would people do as far as kind of square one? So I love starting with students as early as sophomore year. Um, It gives them an opportunity. You know, there's so much pressure. You hear all the pressure. You have to take this number of AP classes to get into a quote unquote good school. You have to do this, this and this and be on this track. And, you know, I think if you find out what the students where their interests lie a little bit earlier, what classes they might want to take. I think it's a great opportunity for them to explore a little bit outside the box of what everyone else is doing, if possible, um, so that they have a better idea. But then that summer between sophomore and junior year, getting started on determining their interest, personality test, interest inventory. So that junior year, the summer after junior year, that's a great time to shadow. That's when professionals want to see people, not before that. So, you know, having somebody who's prepared to make a college decision, going in and asking good questions. We always supply questions. So no one's like a deer in the headlights. No, you, you've answered everything. (laughs) Um, But we like for students to really get a much better idea. And we find that by giving them a few starter questions, it often turns into a conversation. And, you know, we ask, we tell them to ask professionals, where did you go to college? What class was most relevant to what you're actually doing right now? What suggestion do you have for someone going off to college who wants to pursue this career? You know, really hear it from that person who's sitting in that seat and get more in-depth. We've done that on a number of occasions. We've had students come in and, and have those conversations with us, uh, some of the shadowing and some of it just interviewing myself and some of our other team members. And it's actually, we, we think it's fun. We actually are honored when they do that. And I can speak for most business owners and friends that I know of colleagues. Most people are very, very wanting to help people. Uh, most people are very open to those conversations. They want to really even do more probably as far as trying to connect them to other people that could help them along the way. So for anybody who's listening to this, and we could have an audience of parents, grandparents right now, or it could be some of the students as well that just know that a lot of us do want to help you and want to see you succeed. So definitely don't be shy about reaching out. Let's talk about expenses. So uh, that's a, a big topic right now. Student loan forgiveness and people that end up leaving college with sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt. And oftentimes you hear these sad stories, right? The people that they go two, three years and maybe they were at a really expensive private school and then they drop out, you know, then they're done and they still owe hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's a little bit scary, right? People hear these stories and uh, they're not quite sure how to plan. So what would you say to people that are concerned about that and how people would really work to reduce their college expenses? So there's a couple ways. I always suggest that families, when they're thinking about what school and they're asking their child, 
what school do you want to go visit? Where should we start? I think you really have to picture it in three ways. The first way is academically. It has to be able to provide the major to get you to that career. The second way is socially. Your kid has to want to be there. He, your kid has to feel it's their people, people with similar interests, extracurriculars, you know, groups, activities. If they want to watch Big Ten sports, they have to be able to do that. Um, but then the third way has to be financially. Early in my business, I had a family who I, I knew nothing of their financial resources. They said, we want my, we want our daughter to apply wherever she'd like to apply. You know, we want her to go for it, the reach schools. We really want her to have any opportunity she wants. She's worked so hard through high school. Great. So she applied to some really selective schools. Selective schools typically do not incentivize good students with scholarship money because everyone there is a good student. And so she was accepted to a school that was $72,000 a year. And the mom called and she said, we got the financial aid award letter. They're not giving us anything except for $5,500 in student loans. And I said, okay. She said, you need to talk my daughter out of this. We can't afford this. <laughs> and literally mom and daughter came in, daughter's tears streaming down her face. And there I am explaining to her and mapping out, here's what student loan debt will look like. And you'll be 24 years old, living back at home, asking permission to have people over. That's not how you want to live after you've been on your own in a dorm or an apartment for four years. You suddenly are not going to want to come back to that situation, but you're not going to be able to afford living on your own with this debt. And um, we ended up applying for a lot more scholarships. We ended up getting a scholarship well, a couple scholarships combined brought it down to almost state prices for state mm -hmm. schools. So yeah. she was able to attend, but it was really touch and go there for a bit with the family. I mean, they were battling with each other, you know, and you don't want a mad teenager. The last yeah, year. especially if she had her heart set on that school, she really convinced herself. It sounds like that that was the school. Right, right, yeah. And no parent wants to be the bad guy. That's why they said, "Here, you have to talk." Right now, you're it. the bad guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it, it, we ended up working it out. But I think you need to be aware of that beforehand. I don't think you should give. You know, I do not know a single parent that would give their child, their 17-year-old, their 18-year-old, a $100,000 blank check and say, go ahead, go buy a house. Mm -hmm. But here's a hundred grand, wherever you want, you'd go ahead. If your child was buying a house, you'd be there. There'd be inspectors, there would be appraisers, there would be, you know, you'd be looking at everything right along with them and maybe even going back a second time. And yet we let kids make college decisions based on a tour led by a 19 year old who's been on campus for a year and, oh, you like it? It's pretty? Okay, good. Right, exactly. And it's at least a $100,000 decision for most families. Um, the best way financially is to know there are going to be really selective schools, not generous. There are gonna be much less selective schools. If your child's got good grades, they're going to incentivize your child to come and bring up their average. Just because they're not as selective doesn't mean they don't have a great program in what your child wants to study. And that's why, again, kind of knowing what they want to study 
helps you determine what does that program look like at that school? What are their outcomes? Where do their graduates matriculate into? You know, what type of careers, what employers, what grad schools, what medical schools, depending on the major. But if you don't know what they want to do or they're unsure, you know, then you don't know, is it a good program at this school or not? Because we don't know what program they're going into. So kind of goes back to that. Uh, good grades and test scores are still the number one way to get money. Still the number one. And college money is so much better than outside scholarships because whatever you get that first year, if you maintain a minimum GPA, you get it all four years. Mm, so yeah. that's the best money. Yeah, and I would, to chime in on that as well, from a financial planning perspective, we encourage people to start having those conversations with their kids as early as possible. Uh, simply so the kid starts to get it in their mind as far as here's what mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or whoever is helping pay for college. Here's what are the resources that are available to me. So I don't just have this idea of a blank check or maybe my parents won't do anything. And I, I'm surprised oftentimes that we start having those conversations with new clients and they've never had those conversations with the kids. And it's a good way to start though, to start talking about different types of schools and what it costs and here's how much money we've put away into 529 plans and so forth. So they get an idea of, of what they should plan for them. As far as the destination, right, with people's employers, their careers, how often does it matter? Assuming that it's a good education, maybe at, uh, say, UCLA versus Harvard, uh, it could be two completely different cost sets there. But how often does it really matter as far as people's outcomes in what college that they went to? So statistically, it did matter until probably about 20 years ago. More, they called it the Harvard effect, actually, where if you went to an Ivy League school because of the social capital in the school, the relationships you'd form, you would definitely have a much better outcome. That's no longer a hard and fast rule. It really isn't even close. In fact, some recent studies have shown it benefits international students. For white men, there's no change. And for women, the outcome is just increased work hours when they come out of school, not increased pay. Wow. And so that's kind of eye-opening, but I'll, I'll share uh, kind of a personal story. I had a client wanted to uh, become a veterinarian. Veterinary school, very, very challenging to get into, mm -hmm. much like medical school, some even say more difficult because there are fewer vet schools. So instead of going to a big name school, we work the process backwards. What does your dream vet school want to see? Well, they want to see X number of shadow hours. They want to see lots of leadership. They want to see the great grades. They wanted more. They don't want just a good student. They wanted, I, I joke that they wanted you to be able to juggle seven flaming swords <laughs> so that they knew you could handle vet school. Right. So, the student chose a small division two school where they could continue their sports career, get great grades, be president of student activities committee, dabble in another intramural sport, uh, do a lot of different things and get their 500 shadow hours in plus more. And they applied to the Ohio State University Vet College of Veterinary Medicine. And uh, the first day is an interview um, but the night before they hold a cocktail party with all the people who will be interviewing the next day, cause they want to see how do you react to everyone else? Mm, interesting. 
Well, the student was in a panic. The student said, oh my gosh, there's a girl here from Cornell. It's her third time applying. And there's a girl here from Yale. It's her second time applying. Like I'm going to this no name school. Like there's no way I'm getting in. And I'm like, they wouldn't have invited you just to serve you some hors d'oeuvres the night before. Okay. There's a reason they invited you. And the student got in and they were shocked. The person from Cornell and the person from Yale were not in their starting class. We don't know, did they get accepted, but opt to go somewhere else? Or if they once again, weren't accepted. So the name on the building is not nearly as important as what you do once you're inside of it. And if you're going to be able to excel at a smaller school, you're gonna develop great relationships with the head of the science department, head of the math department, they're writing recommendations because you babysat their kids. That might be a better opportunity if you know that extra, you know, education is in your is in your path or on your path so that you can make sure you have everything in place. So working backwards when you know what the career field is is often really helpful. Yeah. Make a big difference. And these days, uh, you know, especially with such a low unemployment rate, too, a lot of times it doesn't matter that much. An employer may require you have a bachelor's degree or a bachelor's degree in a certain field, but it may not matter which university sure. you're actually at because they're so desperate, right? They need people. <laughs> and, if you, right. and if you have a great personality, ultimately, and they can tell you've got a great work ethic and you're creative and so forth, that can matter just as much as having the degree itself. Definitely, definitely. You know, they're looking for initiative. And so, you know, showing that you've belonged to several different clubs, that you've done extra, it kind of gives them the sense that, okay, if you come here, you'll go the extra step, you'll do more. Plus, it also shows that you're probably going to have the soft skills to work with customers, coworkers, and so forth. So it's just not grades once you're in college. It's really all of those extra things. Yeah, so let's talk about the extra things because I think it is a given that you try to get as good of grades as possible, um, sure. you know, in high school and in college. But what are some of the soft things as, as far as some of the activities and some of the things that employers are looking for, maybe graduate schools are looking for that uh, would be some of those softer things that you might have to be able to show them? I'll tell you what, I've heard from employers, a great lack of writing ability. And I'm sure that it comes down to the fact that we text, we don't use full sentences, you know, there's Twitter, we don't even use (laughs) sentences at all. Um, So they're looking for, you know, writing skills, they're looking for communication skills, that ability to be personal. But the other thing that is greatly lacking is initiative. The ability to take initiative, not have to be told what to do along the way, but, oh, I see this problem here, or I've been told to do up to here, but I see the next step would be to do this and to go ahead and get that done. And we're seeing that more with colleges as well. It's not enough just to join all of the clubs that are available at school, because that's easy to do. Everyone who wants to join, come down to room 101 after school today. Um, They're looking for initiative. That's what's making kids stand out. And initiative is where you're starting something. You're making something happen. You're not just following all of the other kids in your high school to a club or activity. Sure. So leadership opportunities, uh, taking initiative on the high school level too. What are some things that you've seen students do? or that you'd encourage them to do? Oh my gosh, there are so many things students can do. And it's funny when when we talk to students, they're like, oh, I never would have thought of that. But 
we had a student who created a business out of a little hobby he had and marketed it on Facebook and did really well with it. We had a student do a summer camp for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that they created themselves all based around science. And the student was terrified to actually reach back out to their fourth, fifth, and sixth grade teacher and ask them to send out flyers because what if no one comes? Mm. Like, Kids will show up. Parents want someplace to drop their kid off. <laughs> Trust me, they'll come. And they did. He ended up with 14 kids. We've um, seen students who have taken their saxophone and got into a nursing home every Friday or every one Friday a month, like the first Friday of every month, and play their saxophone. And, you know, people in nursing homes love it. It's an opportunity to give it to somebody else. And it's not really that time restrictive for them. Yeah, those are some of the things, too, that really would stand out if it's creative, especially if it is different than what other people are doing. Um, it, it would stand out because the bottom line is that these colleges are receiving a lot of applications. It is competitive, depending on the school, right? It's going to be pretty competitive. So what are some things that that you've seen, some of the more creative things that people have done to stand out when it comes to that that actual college application uh, that really would show the uh, the college or even an employer in the future that that's somebody special. This is somebody that we really need to look at. Sure. So I think it needs to be consistent, like throughout your application, the person that you are. So suddenly in your junior year, creating a 501c3 charity just for the sake of creating a charity isn't really a good demonstration or make you stand out if there's no prior volunteer work in your history. Um, it just doesn't really resonate. But things like um, finding ways to help others. We had a girl who she did a whole backpack campaign. And what she did was she went to all of the stores in the area and asked for donations. And then she asked companies for monetary donations to fill these backpacks with school supplies. And she gave them to an inner city school where kids were coming in without the necessary things to, you know, make learning fun, make learning interesting. Um, we've seen students who have really taken initiative with food drives. And while that sounds pretty basic, if you put a different spin on it and you're not just doing it before holidays, it makes a big difference, especially in today's climate when there are people that are really struggling, you know, with higher gas prices and everything else. Um, so just figuring out a way that you can help someone else and then putting something in place with your own unique spin. We have a girl who started a book drive where she was collecting books and they have donated, I think to date, it's probably close to 6,000 at this point. Cause he wow. that's impressive. Yeah. Books to an inner city. And in one of her college applications, she even wrote, which, you know, the school said, why us, you know, that type of essay. And she said, well, I checked the statistics and the demographic in the county you're located in would allow me to continue this book club thing down there as well, because you do have a, a great portion of people living under the poverty level. And so we can come in and, you know, duplicate this here. And what college doesn't want to think you're going to come and already bring activities and you're going to be part of the community. So she did a great job featuring how I didn't just do it to get into college. I'm committed to continuing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, 
Uh, and you mentioned an initiative before, and really what it comes down to is the leadership, right? And you're actually a certified trainer through uh, John Maxwell. Um, kind of interesting. You've had lots of experience in that area. So oftentimes you're probably uh, teaching a wide variety of people, right? Could be adults, could be others. But uh, what would you recommend for somebody that's younger, say in high school or even in college, that really would like to develop their leadership skills and get something that's more formal training like John Maxwell? Oh, yeah. John Maxwell's great. They've got a great youth program um, that I highly recommend for leadership skills. No question. Dale Carnegie, um, another great training program that has a specific youth component to it. Uh, Both of those are great opportunities for students to better understand what leadership really looks like. It's not just being named the head of something at school that, you know, there's more to it. In today's economy, we've got such a low unemployment rate. Again, there are a lot of opportunities. It's very different than a few years ago, right? Where the unemployment rate was super high. Uh, and maybe this is more than a few years ago. Back in the financial crisis, we had sky high unemployment rates and people were leaving college and not finding jobs. Now we kind of see the opposite where there's a gazillion opportunities, which could be probably a little bit overwhelming, right? As far as what should I chase? What, what are the, some of the opportunities, career opportunities or up and coming uh, things that people should look at, at least to see if that would be something they'd be interested in and passionate about? Sure. So um, there are great things that a lot of students have never even heard of. Um, orthotics, for instance, um, or become an orth- orthotist, excuse me, you know, making it's, it's along the biomedical line, but making devices and parts to help people <coughs> who might have some sort of disability. Um, healthcare management is another one. Often people will say, well, I want to help people, but I don't want to be in the healthcare with blood and all of that. Well, that's great, but somebody's got to manage facilities. Somebody has to manage the doctors and everyone else who's working there. Healthcare management is another great field most people don't even think about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and even more so down the road and a lot of transferable skills, right? Uh, because uh, that's one thing that people have to be adaptable, right? You can't just learn something. And they're saying these days, even medical school, that oftentimes by the time a physician gets all the way through medical school, that a lot of the stuff that they learned even a couple of years ago is irrelevant just because technology has changed so much since they started. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. What would you say um, for parents that are really looking at this point as far as hiring somebody like you or starting the journey? And maybe we'll speak more to high school kids um, right now that are trying to figure out this as far as where we go. So we say that again. Uh, (coughs) Here we go. All right. Um, what would you say to high school parents that are really starting the journey with their students and trying to figure out where to go next, possibly hiring somebody like you or a company like yours that could help them along the way? So I think it's really important. The conversations you're having with your child should be more exploratory than directing. Um, you know, kids in high school, they're at that age where they want to start to stretch their independence. They often feel like when parents are, did you do this? What about this? You should probably go into this field. They often, what they're hearing when parents are saying that is you don't trust me to make a decision about my life. You think, you think I don't know what I'm doing. And so instead, but asking questions. Hey, have you ever heard of this? I heard about it today. I didn't know anything about it. You know, when a parent shows their own 
lack of information, a student doesn't feel defensive about discussing it. Um, so really taking more of an inquisitive approach. If they're looking to hire someone, I highly suggest that you have a, a, a meeting with that person with your child. I think that's so important because the child's going to work with the counselor. And so if the child doesn't leave the meeting saying, oh yeah, like they, they told me something good. Like I should know this. Like, oh yeah, I see why we would do this now. Then maybe it's not the right fit. Um, we always do free consultations and we do want parents and children on it together uh, because parents and children rarely have the same goals. <laughs> They're seeing it from two different sides. And so we want to know where everybody is in the process and what the goals are and expectations and so forth so that we can form the best strategy individual to each and every client. And you're right, there needs to be buy-in. Um, but certainly I would think that having a third party would sometimes help because mom and dad at that point in their life. And I think we were always, I think we were all at this place at one point is that mom and dad maybe don't know stuff. Right. Um, and so we think that we know everything, but maybe a third party telling them this, that has some experience could help guide them. Yeah. It's, I, I know that in a lot of cases, I am not telling the students something they haven't heard before, but hearing it from someone else, Suddenly, you know, it becomes, oh, well, if you said it, then it's true. And, and I will share this. One of the most important things, if you're going to have a third party involved, one of the greatest gifts they can give your child is confidence in themselves. Because children often feel like, you know, when parents are like, but you're good at this, you could do this, you can score well on that SAT. Kids are like, oh, you have to say that. You're my parent. Like, you don't know. You don't know how hard it is. But when a third party tells your kid, hey, you're really good at this and I know you can do this, the number of kids who are like, I never thought I could do that. I couldn't, I didn't think I could get that score, but you told me I could. So I believed you. And so that third party giving your kid confidence, I and mean, that's worth everything. Yeah, and I, I think um, on the other end of the spectrum, too, thinking about college students, maybe somebody who's just graduated uh, here recently, it could be a little bit of a scary time, um, exciting, too, but a little bit scary. Um, so what advice would you give them right now as they're entering the real world? Uh, what advice would you have for them? And what advice do you think they should ignore? So I think the first thing they should know is that finding the right job is a job. It is not part-time and think it's going to happen. I would tell them to have a professional look at their resume. Often they're not good at bragging about their accomplishments. They're not good at you know, showing leadership that didn't have an exact title, but was truly leadership. And so having someone else kind of work through that with them is incredibly helpful. Um, I would also encourage them, you know, when they were trying to find that first job, if they're really looking for a longer term fit, a couple of years, they're not just like, well, I need a job, but I'll keep looking strategy. If they're not doing that, you know, vet the employer as much as they're vetting you really try to find out what's what the culture is like and ask the type of questions where you can find out more about what will I do during the day? How how does everybody feel around here? Like, how long have your employees been here? Like, what's the the turnover rate and things like that, so that they get a better idea if it's going to be a culture they're going to fit into, or something where they're going to be forced to look for another position pretty quickly. What's the best way for people to find you? 
Best way for people to find me is probably to go to our website. It's Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y hyphen M-A-C.com. So Kelly hyphen Mac.com. Um, and we have a very active a private Facebook group. It's called College Made Easy by Kelly McLean. And if you go to Facebook, College Made Easy by Kelly McLean, you can find us, join us. It's free to join. And there's a ton of videos and tutorials and workshops that are recorded there so that you can get a better idea on some of the things we talked about today and even more. Sure. And then what's the best way to, if somebody said, you know what, I really want to look into hiring you and working with you, have you work with my students, my, uh, my kid, my grandkid, whoever they're supporting, what's the best way to start that process? So the best way is if they would like to email me at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at Kelly-Mac.com. And we'll set up a free consultation. We have consultations available seven days a week. We're here till 9 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Thursday. So we're really accessible for families, even on the West Coast. We have a lot of families on the West Coast. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah, I know you do a lot of good work. And I, I think for, again, so much information out there these days, people are just drowning in it. And we really want to dispel a lot of that and try to bring resources to people. That's really what Wiser Financial Advisor is about, is trying to bring resources and add clarity where there really is very little, right? Where there's just overwhelm and people are drowning in information. So thank you so much for sharing today. And uh, thanks for all the good work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to share. I really appreciate it. And I, I see the overwhelm in parents. So I appreciate the opportunity to share with them. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. The opinions voiced in the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific information or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor.